Welcome to the Inside Scoop Live podcast, where indie authors get personal about their books, their writing, and their passions. I'm your host, Sherry Hoyt. Join me for some lively conversations with debut indie authors and seasoned veterans alike. It's a great place to find your next amazing read or even get inspired. So sit back and enjoy the show and let me know what you think. Hi, everyone. Welcome. On the show today is Lee Barkman, author of Farewell the Dragon. Set in 1980s Beijing, the story pulls an unsuspecting English language teacher into a politically charged murder investigation. Before we get started, here's the inside scoop on Lee. Lee Barkman grew up in Barnegat, New Jersey, and had a Huck Finn childhood surrounded by woods, streams, and meadows. In the 1950s, only 1,200 people lived there. Later on, he studied economics and history at the University of Kansas, then moved to Eugene, Oregon, and met his wife, Mary. He did various jobs for a time, then the two of them packed it up and went to China, where Lee taught English. After two and a half years in China, they returned to the U.S., settled down, and had a family, where Lee spent the next 30 years in a career in the IT field, eventually retiring from IBM. During that time, he wrote intermittently, mostly on his first novel, Lee and his wife currently live outside of Portland, Oregon, where they enjoy backpacking, biking, running, and playing with their grandchildren. For more information on Lee Barkman and his work, visit his website at barkwords.com. Well, hi, Lee. Welcome back to Inside Scoop Live. Hi, how are you doing, Sherry? Good. Good to be back. Yeah, it's good to have you back. The last time you were on the show, it was about a year ago, and we talked about your alternative history series, the Swift Pad Saga. What's been going on with you since then? Well, mainly, I guess, through the plague, one of the things I've been doing is I've been doing a lot of running. And I've, I've gotten fairly fit. I've, I've been, you know, I'm, I turned 70 this year, so I've been running in some races that have age group categories, and uh, I've been winning them all. So wow. It's kind of fun. Uh, I've I'm actually getting, I feel like I'm getting better, you know, and, um, you know, in other words, every, every month or so, I can see an increase in my, my strength and my, my times over 5,000 meters. So that's been a lot of my, what I've been trying to do lately. Um, you know, I've got another novel I've sort of started and I've been coming in and out of, but recently I've, I think I've gotten recharged on it. And so I'm moving ahead. Yeah, a little bit, but I, uh, I'm disappointed that I, because we have the perfect time for a writer in Oregon is in the winter because it rains and you can't really get out as much. And but I, I pretty much frittered that away this winter. <laughs> <laughs> well, just you mean just running because that doesn't sound like that's frittering in a way. <laughs> no, no, the running and you know, and also I've been kind of on a regular basis taking care of my two grandkids my oldest grandchild is only going to turn two so they're both very young and um we go over there once or twice a week and spend a few hours with them and uh helping out with the babysitting and getting to know the kids so that's that's another thing too that's been doing yeah that's that's a lot of that's a workout right there too i have a um a granddaughter she's going to be two later this month it's a lot of fun our oldest is going to turn two this month, too. So I guess they were born around the same time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right when the pandemic was starting and everyone was shutting down. Yep. Yeah, it was a frightening time. It was. It, it really was. No one knew what to expect yeah. at that point. So You couldn't even get masked at that time, I remember. Right, right. I remember. Mm. So 
today we're going to talk to you about your book, Farewell the Dragon. What is this story about? Well, it, based on my time as a teacher uh, in Beijing, I, I taught English in China for almost three years. The first year was in, in Xi'an, China, and then I moved. I got a job at the Beijing Foreign Language Institute mm. in um, 1986, and I stayed there till just about 88. So it was quite an experience because China, this was China right in between the Cultural Revolution. It only ended a few years before that. But it was still, um, China was still a third world country. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, but they were beginning to open up and it was really an exciting time. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I kind of sculpted a um, kind of a murder mystery around that experience. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering if it was kind of like a fictionalized memoir of sorts, but then I knew you added the mystery to it. So I thought, well, maybe it is fiction, but... I'm looking at the cover right now, and there is a picture of a guy on it that looks a lot like you. <laughs> yeah, that was me. Uh, that was taken at uh, Huaqing Springs outside of Xi'an, which is where the, the Tang Dynasty, um, well, it was basically built during the Tang Dynasty around 700 AD. They still have the original baths that, you know, but well, there's a very famous concubine who uh kind of overthrew the the Tang Dynasty, and she's remembered. um, And anyway, her original bath is there. So it was basically, it was right on the edge of the mountains and um, right near the Tiracata Sojils, which were built a thousand years before the Tang Dynasty. Wow. So, um, yeah, and that's what I'm sitting on is actually a dragon. When you ask me, was it a memoir, um, in a sense, you know, I don't want to make any outrageous comparisons but you know i guess i was thinking that if you take somebody like graham green who wrote a lot of stories you know he he basically went to africa and lived and wrote a burnt out case mm-hmm. and which is a fabulous novel and you know so um i can't remember the, the other africa book right now but mm-hmm. basically you know that he probably took you know a lot of his experience and then incorporated a story so that's kind of what i did and you know, I built it around the school where I was teaching was right near the Friendship Hotel, so that's a lot of foreigners would congregate there on the rooftop bar, which no longer exists. Oh, well, okay. the Friendship Hotel then, but not the bar. Oh, okay. So that and, the ho- Friendship Hotel, I was going to ask you about that. So that's a real hotel. Oh yeah, that, that's a real hotel, and it was built in the fifties, and it was you know kind of a. You know, when things were opening up in Beijing in the mid-80s and Westerners were first starting to come in, they mainly stayed around the southeast side of Beijing over closer to the American embassy and where all the embassies were. Mm -hmm. But the Friendship Hotel was located in the University District, which is in the northwest. But when I was there, it was mainly, you know, a lot of teachers, but a lot of the uh, third world uh, ambassadors who couldn't afford to have their own embassy would live there. It was different. I mean, you know, the Warsaw Pact people would come there, and a lot of the, I guess what they used to call the frontline states would come there, mm-hmm. and there would be a lot of smoking. So it was a, it was kind of like a, a meeting place. You know, at the time, the Berlin Wall had not fallen yet. So there was still a lot of, uh, you know, I guess you'd call tension uh, you know, international tension and, and um, you know, a lot of people were wondering what, what was going to happen with China. Not, 
that really hasn't changed now. So Right, right. Yeah. So on a personal level, what made you decide to go to China and teach? Well, you know, I was, it was just a time when I was um, kind of in the midst of things. I was in my early 30s. My, you know, I was, I think I was about 33, 34. And um, I had a relationship. My, my, I, I got divorced and I'd left the job and it was kind of right at a time where I was just feeling like I didn't really know what I wanted to do, to be honest. It was, yeah. And it was, but the main thing, the main reason, I never would have gone if I'd not met a friend of mine. His name was Xi Xinhua. I, I decided to take Chinese during this whole time of kind of change for me. I took a Chinese class at the University of Oregon. It was, it was actually done through something you don't see much anymore, but they had this thing, adult education, and it was advertised in the newspaper because I guess they were trying to, they didn't think anybody was going to take the class, so it was relatively inexpensive. Mm. And I, I'd never, I'd studied history in um, college, but I really didn't know hardly anything about Asia. I, my, my focus was mainly on Europe and some America. Right. So I, I thought taking the class, well, you know, there's no way I'm ever going to learn Chinese, but... You know, I might learn a little bit about Asia, and it was something to do because I, as I said, I was, you know, I was sort of, I was trying to write, and, and nothing really, I wasn't really satisfied with what I was writing. Anyway, the teacher that taught, was he was a, a, a man almost exactly my age, and even though, you know, he had, we'd both been born during the Korean War, mm-hmm. of course, on opposite sides, and... Um, we came to realize that our experiences growing up were not that different. And we, he became really one of my great friends of all time. He passed away in 2006 of pancreatic cancer. Really, I mean, it was just a horrible shock because he was, oh, wow. you know, but um, he invited me. He came over and was a teacher and he basically um, ignited my interest in the language. And I, because I wasn't a, I didn't think I was a particularly good language student. I, had taken Spanish in high school and college, and I never really grasped it, even though I could read it, okay? Right. But uh, he ignited my interest in it, and I studied very hard. And so anyway, he went back, and then I took another year, and then he sent me an invitation to come and, and teach if I wanted to. So so I had a real thing to do, and I had a real, you know, so he, I said yes. Yeah. It was just, it was just, and so I did. It was quite an adventure going over there. I, I um, really didn't have much money. In fact, I flew to Hong Kong and then went over to, to Canton, which is called Guangzhou, and, and took a 24-hour train with hard seats the whole way, you know, oh sitting gosh. up on a hard thing. Because I couldn't afford, the, you know, a, a sleeper or anything. <laughs> but um, it, it, got, it was a good start for me because it just kind of got me in the right frame of mind for living in a place that had, you know, squat toilets and, you know, that had no refrigeration. So, uh, you know, basically the vegetables were what, would, you know, were put in the cellar and, uh, you know, we'd have a lot of uh, spinach and mm-hmm. yams and things. But I mean, it was, it was very different. There was no supermarkets. I mean, this was, this was really out, out in the back. And I, uh, I just thrived. I, I, there are a lot of people, a lot of the teachers that went out there didn't do well, but I, I, I gained weight. I, I enjoyed the food. And I did everything. 
Well, it, it sounds, I love that story because it sound, it's an amazing opportunity, obviously. And, you know, you just never know when things like that are going to come up. So, yeah, you were at the point in your life, you could go for it and you did it. I, I love that story. It was a great opportunity for me. I mean, I, I, it changed me in a lot of ways. I, after I got back, I was no longer doubting everything. You know, I just, because I just saw so much, so many people there that were dying for opportunities to do things. And I, uh, yeah, uh, I realized that I had every opportunity living in this country. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Now, so Nate is your protagonist. Nate Shoot, is that how you say his name? Shewitt. Shewitt. Okay. I I, yeah. So he's 35. He's an English teacher in China, I guess. So so he is based on your trip to China. Can you tell us a little bit about him and how he maybe kind of tell us a little bit about how he gets into some deep water? I know you don't want to give away too much of your story, but maybe just give us a little bit of the backstory. Sure. Sure. Well, you know, I mean, it's based, the story takes place uh, towards the, right at the end of his his time there. It starts out, his girlfriend has just left him, and he discovers the bodies of two of the people that lived on his campus. Uh, one was a teacher, the other was a student. And they were in her apartment, and um, they, they were shot to death. And mm. uh, so he basically goes and, you know, reports it and everything, and, um, and he begins to be interrogated by the Chinese uh, security police. And... Um, the story is about that interrogation, and it, it's sort of like he and he knows something. He doesn't absolutely know everything, but he knows something, and he's afraid to tell the police what that is because that would implicate the people who are helping him, who mm. were. And um, so it's sort of a, the, his recollections basically are have the same function as a flashback. So when the cops would ask him questions, he'd kind of flash back to the time, you know, how things start. And those flashbacks basically tell about his, his life, you know, about what, you know, what um, people who have read it say that, you know, the thing that's interesting is, you know, just the, the details of, of what life was like and how huge it was for, you know, particularly for a Westerner to be uh, living there at that time. Yeah. And then, then, of course, then you've got the whole the whole story of of unwinding the murder mystery. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like, I bet it was fun to write because you were kind of probably, you know, reminiscing and then making up fun stuff to to do to your character as well. (laughs) That's that's pretty much it. I, I, you know, I've recently kind of looked back at it a little bit and I, uh, I I don't know, I think it might be the best. I'm hoping... You know, every writer hopes that their next book is going to be the best. And if I can be as, you know, I'm I'm pretty proud of this book. I think it um, it has some qualities that I uh, I'm pretty proud of. So yeah. I, um, yeah, it was a lot. It was fun, and it took a long time. And the thing, the thing, I guess one of the things that, that makes it good is it. I'm bragging, but but the reason I think it is good is because it. I took a long time. You know, the original pieces that I wrote, I, I, I've got at least, you know, at least four major drafts and mm. then lots and lots of, you know, filling in. Parts. When it started out, it was exactly as you said, just sitting down and writing memorances and then and then kind of putting it together and then, you know, thinking through and and um, tying 
tying real things together to things that um, yeah. make up. Yeah. yeah. Now, I know Nate makes an appearance in your Swiftpad saga. Is Farewell the Dragon kind of a prequel, or is it a totally different story? It's both. Okay. Um, it is a completely different story. I didn't, you know, I, I when I wrote it, of course, I wasn't thinking that it was gonna that I was gonna do anything with Nate later. Mm-hmm. But basically, um, the Swiftpad story basically takes place around now. You know, within maybe it starts maybe five years ago and then takes it up to about now. But this is a different. It's kind of a you know fictional world. Well, of course, everything is fiction, and but um, yeah, so yeah. I basically, I just up to, I, I you know, I, I wanted to. He just kind of fit in the Swiftpad um, story, so I, I took him and um, updated him. He, he got older, and yeah. you know, and and just sort of extrapolated. Okay, you know what what was his life? How how you know? Because I left his fate sort of hanging at the. Um, you know, what was eventually going to happen to him, you know, he's still, so obviously he didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> spoiler. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert, he didn't <laughs> die. Um, but, um, so yeah, he got, he just basically kind of shows up and he's sort of a, he's not a main character in uh, the Swift Pad books, but he's sort of a stirrer of the pot. Who kind ah. of goes, and he's a little bit, he's older and a little bit more jaded and, is kind of a teacher for the the younger participants in the next books. Okay, okay. So I have to mention, Farewell the Dragon uh, took home a gold medal in the 2021 Reader Views Literary Awards, and congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. As as an author, do you enter many awards competitions? I was. You know, I did a few, and um, I'm to the point now where... Uh, I'm, I'm really focusing. I, I figure if I'm, I guess I've just accepted the fact that you know. And I mean, you you're kind of in this business, and you know, there's, you know, if you look on Amazon, there's a, a million titles, more than a million titles on it. Right. And, uh, and it's uh, it is, you know, when every everybody who starts out thinks that they're going to write, the sun also rises and become famous when they're 25, <laughs> like Hemingway did. But um, that's that's not the usual story. Right. So I've, I've decided that I'm, I don't know, I'm just going to basically leave it for posterity and try and try to spend all, for a while there I was saying, okay, I've got all these, I've got these four novels. I think they're pretty good. Now's the time to start promoting them. And of course you get lots of people that want to help you promote them and things. And, and, uh, so I've narrowed it down. I, uh, I did enter one other one. I took second. It was Red City Review, which was a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I was a finalist in that, but I didn't win it. Yeah. And um, but the Red City Review basically went defunct about two, two, three years ago. So. Oh, okay. No, yeah. I guess the answer, you know, they, but I, I, I saved all the. <laughs> yeah. The screenshots. The screenshots. It was. They gave me a really nice review too. Mm-hmm. Oh, they did. Yeah, because I, I know, yeah. I feel like that's where ours is a little bit different, because we do give a full review of the book. Um, mm-hmm. And I know not a lot of companies do that. But um, well, that's interesting to know that they did that as well. So um, yeah. a, and now you've been uh, reviewing for us too at Reader Views. And I know as an author, you know, the importance of book reviews, 
like you were saying, the millions of books out there. So it's especially important for the indie author. But I'm curious, what kind of motivated you to join the Reader Views Review team? Well, you know, it's, um, I don't read, I, I guess I have not read a lot of new fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I don't get motivated to do it very much. And, and I think that's important to do because, I mean, just from a, you know, from a karma perspective or whatever, how could I expect anybody to read my stuff if I don't read theirs? Or if I don't read, if I don't read new stuff, how can I expect anybody else to read new stuff? Right. So it's, it's, it gives me an opportunity to just to, to look at books that are, um, you know, I otherwise probably wouldn't have heard of and, uh, and read them. And, and, you know, as you know, I mean, I, I've not, not in all cases, but in, uh, most cases, I've been surprised. And plus the fact, I think, um, you know, reviewing books is uh, it's obviously a different skill than writing fiction, but it's, uh, it's an interesting one, and uh, it stretches you in different ways. Yeah. And I do that, too. I've got a, I've got a website. I mean, I've, I've got a, a Google page where I, I've, I've done a lot of reviews that mm. I've never published outside of my own website. But I decided to, you know... You, I mean, I know I, you get a lot more um, coverage on it. So. Yeah. And that's the other thing, too. People see my reviews and see my, my name, and they like the reviews. Maybe they'll look and see what I write. Yeah, absolutely. And also, it gives you the opportunity, I think, to, to look at other people's styles and, you know, oh, oh, I like the way that happens. Can I incorporate, you know, that kind of style into my writing or you know, things like that. It just kind of, it's kind of like continuing education, I think, you know? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. There's a lot of good, I mean, you know, I, everybody, you know, because writing a novel is, you know, it takes so much out of you and you spend so much time and so much, it's, uh, you know, you put everything into it and nobody tries to do it. Well, not everybody. I think some people kind of just throw it together. They're, but mm-hmm. I, I don't write, like, for example, I, you know, I don't, I know one of the things you get lots and lots of emails from people giving you advice saying, okay, if you want to write a successful novel, this is, here's the formula, you know, mm. and, you know, this is what people are writing, you know, if you want to be a romance novelist or you want to be a, you know, a mystery writer, you've got a certain, you've got to hit certain formula. And I, I don't do that at all. And I don't, you know, I mean, I, I basically say, okay, I'm going to create my own style. And I think most people particularly beginning writers do that. And I think, you know, that's really the more honest way to do it. And it's also, I think, more um, rewarding for yourself because, you know, you know, writing is really about discovering yourself. I mean, that sounds like a cliche, but it, it really is true because, you know, everybody, everybody in their own head has a great story to tell, mm-hmm. but you don't really, until you actually see it and can, hear it back and see it and read it back and, and feel it. Do you really know what it is that you've got, you know? And, and it also, it kind of gives kind of a clue to your own character because, you know, we never really know ourselves. Yeah. And, um, I mean, it's, it's really hard. Let's put it that way. Let's put it this way. It's hard to know yourself. And I think writing kind of for better or worse, and sometimes worse, you get to see what it is that, you're interested in what it is that uh, how you look at things, how you see things, and sometimes it's different than what you think. You think, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because well, I I agree with that because I think a lot of times what we think is what we're supposed to think, 
And maybe if you're sitting down writing, you're just letting it happen. So you're not forcing anything. So it comes out more naturally, more authentically. Yeah. Right. Well, now you mentioned earlier you were working on something new. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Well, yeah. I mean, what I'm working on, you know, it's a guy who's not as old as I am, but a little bit older. And he uh, um, kind of has some longings about life, some doubts about the things that have happened. And essentially, he lives on the West Coast, and things happen in his life there, both personally and professionally, that sort of drive him, you know, to the point where he's, you know, I, I have to make a change, and, and this is not working. Mm. So he takes a trip back to his hometown, which is, well, my hometown, which is like on the New Jersey shore. I, I grew up on, you know, in Barnegat, and it's a small town. When my family left, there was only 1,200 people there, and I lived there for 13 years. And so I'm, I'm going back and uh, kind of trying to – there's some things that happen, and, of course, once again, I fictionalized a lot of things, but mm-hmm. he has these vague memories of what his parents were talked about and what he saw and heard, and and he has suddenly has this kind of recollection that sort of hits him that he actually witnessed a horrible crime. Oh, wow. And he's gradually jogging his memory, and, he, and he, you know, what he thought was just innocent at the time, now he realizes, in, in retrospect, now that he's older, uh, that this might have been a horrible crime. And then it, as he investigates, he sees he's right. And how it ends, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. Kind of going. Oh, wow. Well, that sounds interesting. So you're, so I guess you're in the middle of writing it right now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm still, I should be farther along. I at least it'll <laughs> You can't force these things, though, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but at some point, you, you know, if you're going to do it, you got to sit down and do it. Yeah, right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Well, Lee, is there anything else you wanted to add today about your book or anything else? No, I, I really appreciate it. I, you know, I uh, working for Reader Views has really been a, an inter- interesting thing for me. I, you know, I uh, have enjoyed almost all <laughs> that I've, I've read for you. And I um, look forward to uh, reviewing more and will. Well, Lee, thank you for joining us today and for sharing a little bit more about you and your work. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me today for my interview with Lee Barkman, author of Farewell the Dragon. For more information on Lee and his work, visit his website at barkwords.com. And be sure to check out our other interviews on InsideScoopLive.com.